Hello and welcome to the Pro Football Network Miami Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Matt Infante, joined as always by Adam H. Beasley. And, and Adam, the Dolphins are in sole possession of first place in the AFC East after seven weeks for the first time in over two decades. They're getting back arguably the best cornerback in the NFL, make his season debut within the next two weeks. It's all rainbows and sunshine in Miami. Ain't that right? <laughs> Listen, nothing but positivity on this podcast. Like uh, the old men in black mind eraser week seven didn't even happen. You know, they entered week seven, number one in every major offensive category. They leave week seven, number one in every major offensive category. First place, a full game clear of the Bills. The Bills are in deep, deep trouble. Hey, nothing but positivity on this podcast. That's right. Um, and, and, you know, <laughs> that that's one way to frame it, right? Of course, the other way to frame it is the Dolphins faced uh, this, you know, the, their second test of the year and came up short again. The national narrative here is that, well, they got blown out. They're frauds, all of that. They haven't beaten anybody good. The two teams they've played that were good, they lost. Um, what say you, Adam? It's amazing. Things can be accurate, but also wrong. And I think we're kind of falling into an easy trap. And I have a great deal of respect for a lot of my colleagues, but they have pointed out numerous times that the Dolphins really haven't done much of anything under Mike McDaniel. They, they lose to the bad team, the good teams. They beat the bad teams. Uh, the offense does not travel, does not play well against bad team against good defenses. And um, you know, they're, they're 14 and 11 with Mike McDaniel as their coach. Hey, if Adam Gase had that same record, we would be running him out of town on a rail. Uh, context is needed a little bit here. Okay. Let's, let's, let's pump our brakes. Uh, first of all, eight, nine and eight last year was largely because their quarterback couldn't stay healthy. And they're five and two this year. And yes, the, the, the teams that they've beaten, not great. But they also scored more against the New York Giants than any team has so far this year. By the way, New York Giants team that just flummoxed the Buffalo Bills a couple of weeks ago and, you know, should have won that game. The Bills should be under 500. Let's be honest about that. So um, I think you need to see the shades of gray here. And certainly when you have a performance like they did on Sunday, actually to me, Sunday is the ultimate like Rorschach test. Because uh, if you went into that game with the notion, with the narrative, with the, you know, the firm belief that this was, this is a, you know, maybe a top 12, top 10 team, but certainly not a top two or three team. You got all the ammunition needed to make your point. To a through a pick at the end zone at a terrible time. Uh, offensive line fell apart. Defense gave up 31 points, couldn't get the stops they needed. Uh, Dolphins wilted under the spotlight and, uh, you know, the crowd noise got to them. They, you know, those, those, those pre-snap penalties that were a huge bugaboo in 2022, they're back with a vengeance. Sure. If you want to make that argument, if you want to not see the huge remarkable growth this team has made in the last month and a half, two months uh, of how they are a better team because you know, they are still minus three in turnovers and yet five and two on the season, still number one in every major statistical category. Uh, and oh yeah, the two games they've lost at Buffalo, where they always lose at Philadelphia, which might be the hardest place to play in football. If you're going to crush them for that, you're going to crush 95% of the teams in the league because that is what the league is right now. We saw it again, Monday night, San Francisco 49ers, everyone's darling. They go out and lay a massive egg against a bad Minnesota Vikings team, have now lost two bad football teams. Well, the Browns aren't bad, but they're not, you know, not great. Uh, 
Uh, they've lost to two teams below their station. When the 49ers do it against inferior teams, they get a pass. The Dolphins do it against really, really good teams that were a drive away from the Super Bowl last year. The end of the world is here. So here's, and again, sorry to take up all this airspace, but here's what they should do, Matthew. They should go full wrestling heel, right? They're never going to win over the Stephen A. Smiths of the world. It's just not going to happen. Embrace it. You know, be the villain. Do it. Us against the world, backs against the wall, all that stuff. Because this team is nice. It's a nice team. Very good good people. Mike McDaniel is one of the most successful coaches in football. A locker room is made up of a lot of people that are really, really kind and good human beings. Maybe they're too nice. Go full mean. <laughs> you know, do it. Be the be the villain. Go up in the top rope and and and, and talk trash to the crowd because uh, either way, you're going to get unfair coverage. And it's happened to Tua Tungabailoa for years now. Happened to the Miami Dolphins, certainly this year. Embrace it. Be the villain. Yeah, and they're certainly going to have a, a national stage to do that now that they're going to be on the hard knocks in season. So they could really, I mean, if they want to do it, they can go full heel and, and, and do so in a way that a lot of teams don't get a chance to, right? Because they're going to be in the spotlight now every week starting in probably November. And the date hasn't been announced yet. Yep. Um, and, and to your point, too. There's something to be said about beating the teams you're supposed to beat. And everyone's going to kill the Dolphins for this. But the 49ers lost to the Browns and Vikings. The Bills lost to the Jets and Patriots. Ravens, 5-2, and two, they lost to the Colts. They should beat them. Bengals lost to the Titans. Eagles lost to the Jets. Cowboys lost to the Cardinals. These are examples of good teams that lost games that they were favored in and should not have lost. The Dolphins have not lost a game they're favored in. And they won when they were underdogs when they beat the Chargers week one. There's something to be said about that. Think about March Madness, right? They always talk about, you know, your, your good wins, but also your bad losses. The Dolphins don't have a bad loss. But somehow that gets over, you know, we, we kill them for not beating the teams that they're underdogs. They're, they're supposed to lose. You know, the book said they would lose. And these are both road games against very, very good teams or bad matchups. The Bills, I don't know if they're a very good team or they're just a for years they're historically the way they're built it's just it's a bad matchup for the dolphins that's just what it is eagles are a great team perhaps the best team in the nfl right uh, after the 49ers fell last night to the vikings so i, I th it's unfair that you know those teams seem to get a pass the cowboys didn't when they lost to the cardinals they got you know beat up a little bit but there, there's something to be said for for winning the games you're supposed to win and if they do that this year the rest of the year they're going to be at 11 wins without beating any good teams and you're in the playoffs, uh, you, you win a couple of those against good teams, which would be the Chiefs, the Cowboys, the Ravens, and the Bills again, you steal two of those or one of those, and you're talking about division winning, you know, 12, 13 wins. So it's, it's I understand it, and I, I expect the reaction to be the way it is nationally, but it's certainly not fair. And, and um, you know, they should never apologize for beating the teams on their schedule that they're supposed to beat. Because you know what? Even the best teams in the league can't do that. And not only they beating the teams they're supposed to beat, but they're crushing them. And that's, you know, that's the thing is that the reason I was kind of bearish on the Eagles going into to week seven is because even their wins weren't super impressive, right? This week seven was by far their most impressive win. By far. They played their best game. And you know what? To your point, the Dolphins played perhaps their worst game. They probably played worse in Buffalo, but they, they played one of their worst games. Um, they committed 10 turnovers committed. I'm doing air quotes for those penalties, penalties, not, not turnovers, turnovers. Yeah. 
You said uh, turnovers. That that yeah, would be yeah. a record. That would be a record. They committed 10 penalties. I'm doing air quotes. Um, and uh, they threw a pick at the end zone. Uh, they couldn't run the ball. Their offensive line was in trouble. Uh, they gave up how many tush pushes in the last drive or that? that there were two. Job? Two yep. fourth and ones. Yeah, but couldn't stop the fourth and one. They were outgained by 111 yards, I think. Yep. And yet they should have won the game or they should at the very least have had the ball with a chance to win it on the last drive. Because we talked about this off air. Um, Jalen Waddle doesn't run the wrong route on that interception. Darius Slay isn't there in position to make, it might not be a catch, might not be a touchdown. It still wasn't a great throw, but they would have had the ball at the plus 24 with still a chance to tie the game early in the fourth quarter. Um, I also think that the defense wore down a bit. I think that 13 play 83 yard drive when you know that a, a team is going to have four downs, they get a first down. If they're determined to do it, they're going to use all four, four downs. It's really hard to stop them, particularly when they have an unstoppable short yarders play like, like the Eagles do. So I think they wore down a bit. Um, but the defense by and large played pretty good, man. They, they, they had a pick six. They had their first turnover in 220 snaps. Um, the pass rush is that travels that, that did well. They just played a quarterback that really, really good at breaking contain and extending plays. And what was it that that deep was it? Was it they had a long throw to AJ where uh, Hurts broke contain. Yep. They should have had a sack, and he had a couple of scrambles. Things that aren't you're not going to see against Mac Jones. Okay, I mean you're just not going to see that kind of game. So the defense, I think, played good. To your point, they have a couple of DBs coming back. I I I was far more. Um, disappointed with their performance against the bills. Uh, and that was because the, d- the defense just couldn't get a stop here. They went with half their roster down three offensive linemen against the best defensive front, arguably the best defensive front in, in all football. Um, and again, they, they had the ball with the chance to tie in the fourth quarter. That's, that's all you can ask on that stage. Certainly you want to start winning those games and to win a championship, you're going to have to win those games. But th- the idea that this was some, Dolphins exposed their manhandled <laughs> manhandled. They averaged nine tenths of a yard more per carry uh, than the Eagles in that, that, game, that game. I think the net yards per play the Eagles may have been up 0.1. Yeah. So it was 5.2 to 5.1 yards per play. So same, no, same number of sacks. I think the Eagles had one more quarterback hit than the Dolphins. This was not manhandling. It was just the Dolphins made a bunch of dumb mistakes and let's just call out the elephant in the room. Uh, the officials were, were wearing Kelly green. Yeah, for sure. And despite all that, like you said, even after the bad interception, the Dolphins on that next possession against any other team get off the field because they had two third downs, you know, deep in their own territory there, you know, in the Eagles territory. So most teams don't go for those fourth and ones. So it's unfortunate that, you know, they have an unstoppable play for the Dolphins, but they against any other team, get the ball back again with about eight minutes to go, trailing by a touchdown, and who knows what happens. Um, so certainly think- the, the narrative that they got blown out, and that it's just not real. But like you said, people are seeing what they want to see right now. And those that were doubting the Dolphins to begin with have their ammo. And, and you know, it, it's fine. I think as a Dolphin fan, you can't argue it too much because you, you can see their point. To a certain extent, you can see their point. They have not beaten anybody. Um, but these are certainly not blowouts. The Bills game, I said this to you before, that one stung more than the Eagles one. I, I come out of the Eagles game feeling better about the team than I did after that that disaster in Buffalo. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that. And I think they're going to play well 
uh, certainly this week against the Patriots, and I think they're going to play well uh, against the Chiefs in Germany. The question is, and I, I think this is a very important question, how well can they play when they just keep taking body blow after body blow when it comes to injuries? Now, the latest, the offensive line, they were down – Three starters, as I mentioned, for the vast majority of the game. I think it was was it the first drive that Isaiah Wynn got hurt? Yep, he had five plays, and then that was it. He got stepped on. He hurt his quad. Sounds like it's a not insignificant injury. He's going to miss multiple weeks. Uh, so that, to me, is worrisome because their offensive line had been, we talked about at length, a revelation. It had been a big part of their success. And uh, I think we're really seeing – how valuable Connor Williams is to this team, because I don't think Eichenberg was terrible. He, he's had worse games than he than he did against Philadelphia. Uh, I, I know he, he wasn't certainly far. He was far from perfect, but there is a significant drop off between Connor and Liam. Uh, and we can talk about strate- the strategy they had of going into the season with Liam Eichenberg as their backup center. Um, you know, it's a debate we can have. Uh, the reality of the situation is unless they make a trade, that's who they're going to have the rest of the season. So they really need Connor Williams to stay healthy. Yeah. And that creates a problem for two positions, right? Cause now you have left guard open. And if Connor's back, Liam could conceivably be the left guard, or it could be who we saw on Sunday, which is Lester Cotton. And Adam, he, um, he did not play well. It, it wasn't a disaster. I think I saw him credited with four pressures allowed, um, which, you know, is not ideal and, and drastically different than what we saw from Wynn. So it's quite the drop off there. Wynn was one of the 15 best guards in the NFL, according to various metric sites, kind of he- heading into this game. So it, it's a drop off. You know, if Connor comes back, I can broken slide to left guard, perhaps. Um, what do you. So let me ask you this you, you you saw lester cotton play in training camp you know day in and day out um he was kind of the secret right he was a secret that uh first team player when you guys couldn't reveal who was lining up where he was the left guard that was getting first team reps that no one expected then they also got rob jones back um healthy we haven't really um seen much of him in, in the regular season he had a strong preseason i thought um what do you think Internally, but before discussing any possible solutions outside of the team, and if they're willing to do that, what are the options internally once Connor Williams comes back to center? Yeah, I, I think you does you Liam, Liam go to left guard? Uh, no, I, I don't. I think he goes to the bench. Uh, I think when Connor Williams, and I would hope he'd be back this week. I mean, he must have had a pretty significant setback whenever that was week five to have to miss the last two weeks after coming back from, from a groin injury. So, um, but no, I, I, I think Connor uh, is the center. Uh, Liam goes to the bench uh, and they'll determine who the start between Buster Cotton and Robert Jones. It sounds like this were taping us on Tuesday. We talked to Mike McDaniel yesterday that they're going to, to roll with Lester, but it sounds like it might kind of be not, if not a rotation, a pretty short leash. If things go sideways, they do have a lot of confidence in, in Robert Jones. Look, Lester Cotton has been around for a minute. Like, I don't know. I didn't know a ton about him uh, before to be quite frank this week, but then I had to research him because he's probably going to be their starting left guard. Uh, but his body of work is far more extensive than, than Robert Jones, who like he, he was a, basically a, a, a developmental player for them last year. So um, my guess is that's who they would go with. Uh, but I will say this, the team does believe in a way that we don't 
that they have quality depth in their offensive line. They believe that what, what they have, they have multiple starters in their mind on the bench. Well, they're no longer on the bench. They're starting because the Dolphins now have three, three offensive linemen hurt. Um, we're going to see whether or not that philosophy is correct. And, and I'm fine giving Cotton a shot, but if, if he doesn't play better, and we talked about this off air, like, does he fit what they're trying to do? Because uh, very, very dynamic offensive line. They have four offensive tackles and a center, basically, right? Because Isaiah wouldn't play tackles entire career. Robert Hunt is more than capable of a tackle. Uh, they were the guards. Those guys could get to the second and third level, and that's what turned those six-yard gains into 60-yard gains. And that's really, you know – the, 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 the phenomenon that was uh, briefly, unfortunately, uh, Devon Achan was largely because, not totally because Achan's a dynamic player, was largely because they were able to get out in space and block these linebackers and safeties and cornerbacks on the second and third levels. Can Lester Cotton do that? I don't know. We're going to have to find out. Yeah, and, and I think um, the, the next logical question Dolphin fans are going to ask is, is there help outside? of, uh, you know, available to them. We have the trade deadline coming up on Halloween at 4 p.m. Eastern. Um, I think, you know, a couple weeks ago, you would think the defensive line was probably set and they wouldn't need to look to address it. Uh, but the injury bug, you know, has has hit them, hit them hard recently. And and now you wonder, is that an area they could look to to improve? It's hard because every team needs offensive line, right? Offensive line help. So the teams that have it aren't necessarily looking to give it up. Um but but there could be options available out there. So, um, what do you think? Um, you know, are they even likely to, or are they comfortable where they are, or are they going to wait and see what happens Sunday, and then decide yeah. Monday and Tuesday? I, I think this is an incredibly important week for them. First of all, they have to get real clarity on how long Wynn's going to miss, and I mean, if they think he's going to be out six to eight weeks, I don't know. This is just speculative, but if it's significant quad injury, those things can linger, right? If he thinks. What do you do? Because they've already used up almost all their IR return spots, right? So are you going to IR return him? Do you carry him on your roster for a month, unavailable to play? Um, That's why, to me, making a trade is almost something that, to your point, we wouldn't even talked about two, three weeks ago. But simply because they can't guarantee – Assuming, you know, we, we don't know, again, the nature of, of Wynn's injury, but if it's going to be a prolonged absence, are you willing to play with 52 guys for 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 a month or so until he comes back? I mean, is that what you're going to do? Uh, or do you just IR him and and, and trade for someone who, who, who could help? I mean, uh, certainly they have enough cap space to make a move like that. And the offensive linemen we're talking about here available for trade, they're not exactly the 93 Dallas Cowboys, right? I mean, this is like, there's a reason that the Dolphins can afford them and these players are open to being moved. Uh, some names are our colleague Dallas Robinson was kind enough. He is totally our like who might get traded for whom dude here at PFN. He is fantastic when it comes to speculation and trades. Uh, he gave some, and I'm just going to read the note. He said, I said, Hey, what's, what's out there for, for our offensive lineman for the Dolphins? Not a ton of great options was his response, but guys I think will be available. Will Hernandez and Dennis Daly from the Cardinals. Lucas Patrick from the Bears, Greg Van Roten of the of the Las Vegas Raiders, perhaps Quinn Miners of the Broncos, Daniel Brunskill and Dylan Radins of the Titans, Mark and Mark Glowinski of the New York Giants, 
<laughs> I'm not going to read the commentary he said about Glowinski, but he's going to cost a lot of money and he's not super good. Uh, he said maybe John Runyon Jr. becomes available. The Packers lose another game. Other possibilities, Cody Whitehair, the Bears. Um, question is, should the Dolphins not have traded Dan Feeney? Yeah. I mean, that, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty at this point. But the name he really kept coming back to, um, Daniel Brunskill, and he's with the Titans. And the reason he is, thinks he would be a good fit for Mike McDaniel is because we have evidence he would be a good fit for Mike McDaniel. Um, his, you know, he was the Niners guard. I think you mentioned on their, their Super Bowl year. Is that correct? Yeah, from 2019 to 2021, he was with McDaniel and the Niners. He was, he was a starting right guard for the Super Bowl team. He started 40 games across right tackle, right guard, and center. So all on the right side. Um, while Mike McDaniel was in San Francisco. Yeah. So, and his contract's not bad. I think he's only owed like a half million dollars the rest of the season. Uh, the Titans aren't good, right? I mean, if you're, if you're looking for a team that could, could kind of soft blow it up, maybe Tennessee does. Do they think about, you know, dealing Derrick Henry? I think if they, um, I have to even look at the schedule. I'm not sure if they're on a buy. You know, everyone's playing this week, right? There's no buys this week. Correct. So they will play if the Titans fall to two and five. Maybe that really entices them to, you know, you know, pull the pin and just totally start over on that team. Um, but yeah, I do think that there are options out there for the Dolphins. Some make more sense than others. Uh, it really depends on how confident they are. Wind's going to be back soon. How confident they are that the left side's going to hold up. That Toronto Armstead will be back soon. A lot of th- a lot of information they have that we don't. But certainly, I would be concerned about going a month, month and a half with Lester Cotton, Robert Jones, or Liam Eikenberg as their starter at left guard. Yeah, and I'd be remiss to point out, I mean, the Eagles hit Tua six times officially, I believe is what was in the game book. Do you start to get concerned? You know, these start piling up, you know, when they're playing behind these, you know, this backup offensive line, at least on on the left side. Um, You know, how concerned do you start getting then? for his availability for the rest of the season if he keeps taking these hits. Um, now, the Eagles' front is is very good, as you noted. So this might not be a, a week-in, week-out thing, but it's a concern because they have, you know, the, the, the Patriots' defense is not a bad defense. The Chiefs can get after the quarterback. Um, I think after the bye, they come back with the Raiders. That's Max Crosby. So there is concern there. I think you have to, as an outsider, I don't know how they feel about these guys, you know, internally, the backups, but it, it's a concern because you have to protect your best investment, which, which is Tua. And, um, you know, taking a shot at one of these cheap guys who wouldn't cost, you know, the, the trade compensation, you're talking about a late round pick or even a pick swap for some of these. Um, it, it, it's worth considering if things go sideways on Sunday for sure. Yeah, and and this team is in desperate need of the buy. I mean, I think that's more than anything. They really, really could use their buy. It's every team deals with injuries, and it seems like the Dolphins have worse luck than others. Uh, but sometimes you can deal with injuries. You can't deal with injuries to everybody, and that's kind of what they have right now. And again, entirely possible we see both Jalen Ramsey and Xavier Howard this week against the Patriots. The first time you would see that all ever. Right, that's what they built. So they had in mind. Uh, you know, a superhuman recovery for Jalen Ramsey to even be in this position right now um, to, to play before Halloween, which is a real possibility. Uh, but Javon Holland, he's in concussion protocol. You might not play this week. Um, you know, defensive fronts relatively healthy, particularly because David Long seems to be okay. Uh, but offensive line and running back have just 
gotten crushed. And this is a running team. So, you know, and this is not to impugn Tua. I think he is one of the five to 10 best quarterbacks, maybe players in the National Football League. He is a real talent. And I think we show, we saw last week, he made some throws that should have been touchdowns that were dropped, Tyreek Hill. Uh, but he made some throws under duress that made something out of nothing. So it's not like the idea that he's just some system quarterback. Let's, let's throw that in the trash can. That's, if, if you're still making that argument, October 24th, 2023, you're either disingenuous or uninformed, right? That's just not, it's just not the truth. But he's not, there's a reason that there's all these doubters. He's not going to be like Josh Allen and Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes and be able to, you know, pure God given ability alone to, to overcome some of these deficiencies. You want to be able to run the football. We saw how constipated that offense looked on Sunday when they couldn't run the football. It's really important. Well, it's really important to have good blocking to run the football. Um, and so if, I will say this, they're not going to not try if they feel like it's a problem because there's, this team has done everything, including trading for Chase Claypool, who was, you know, God bless him. He was a blocker on Sunday, right? And the few snaps that he got, um, if they, if, if they had real concerns and again, to me, they've earned some trust and, and Mike McDaniel has earned some trust he is not going to put his franchise quarterback at risk. He is not going to jeopardize this high-powered offense because of stubbornness, right? I mean, that's the thing is that they're, they have all the information. We have some concerns. We'll see if their concerns manifest themselves into action. Yeah, and when you were going through your injury list too, um, you left that receiver. And I just wanted to – the Jalen Waddle thing was interesting because – he left with the back. Um, he ended up coming back in. And then on Monday, McDaniel said something about they found the solution. Um, I, I, I've been trying to figure out what that means, what this could be. Um, but, I mean, how concerned should you be about Waddle's availability moving forward if he takes another you know, big hit or, or even steps wrong? I mean, I've had a back issue before. Until it's fully cleared up, just a wrong step it makes it flare up. And then, you know, it makes it hard to move or do anything. Um, so again, hopefully, team, is the solution a miracle solution? This could be, <laughs> yeah. Again, this team needs to buy, right? If you had two weeks to heal, he'd be fine when he comes comes back. So uh, I don't know a ton about. It seems like it seems like back spasms, right? I mean, that's kind of the sense that we're getting. Um, I don't know a ton about that. Uh, never had them. Don't you know? Certainly, back injuries are debilitating. Um, but I will say this: he came back and played pretty good. Like he, he, you know, he wasn't, he may have lost a step. He might not have been as quite as quick, but he was still making tough catches uh, even when he came back from that injury. So I do think he is, we, we've gone a long time and kind of danced around it for them to be elite. He needs to be elite. Can we agree on that? Like yeah. for, for, for yeah. this offense to, to beat the best teams, it can't be the Tyreek show. And it's been almost exclusively, in the passing game, at least, certainly the running back has been fantastic, but it's been really overwhelmingly the Tyreek show. And this is, I'm not bringing this up just because I have the uh, over total for Jalen Waddle on the season, which he is far. Yeah, that was one of my favorite plays during our, our betting preview pod. Yeah, um, far, far short of, 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 of the standard. Um, but he certainly has financial incentive to get it together. Uh, he needs to. He, he needs to be an impactful guy. He needs to have a, a game where he goes for six for 170 and two touchdowns. 
I think he does that, and all of a sudden, this offense is almost unstoppable. Yeah, and how about getting something out of Cedric Wilson, too? I mean, he gives the Dolphins something they don't have on the outside, which is size. Mm-hmm. Um, and that big third down pass there, um, that to a made to him, it just, you know, it, it was high and outside. And I feel like it, that's a missing element to this offense in the red zone too. I wonder they brought in Chase Claypool, but then, you know, he didn't really see many snaps, but you just think they need that big body on the outside, not, not a tight end. And I wonder Cedric Wilson has been getting a little more involved recently, um, which is intriguing because, you know, I think we were all under underwhelmed, disappointed with him last year. But, but the, the talent's there. You saw what he did previously, you know, with the Cowboys. So he can produce. So as he gets more opportunities, that would be a welcome development if he becomes a legitimate, consistent weapon um, in certain formations. Him getting uh, the nod over Robbie Chosen was telling. I think Chosen was a healthy scratch, right? He didn't. Yep. yep. I don't think he had an injury going into the game. So uh, that was significant. And to your point, uh, I mean, they paid this guy a lot of money, Cedric over the last two years to do very, very little. Um, I think it was very wise of them to find a way to keep him. Um, and, and yeah, he has only earned more playing time. And I will say this for, for McDaniel, he is one to reward productivity. I think A-Chan was absolute proof of that. Um, he had that really big, exciting debut. I mean, certainly week two, he played six snaps or whatever, but, Week three, when he really played, it was it was dynamic, and uh, he had one of the three the best three game stretches from a rookie Dolphins running back ever in the three games that that he was available and, and played a lot. So uh, I, I do think Seth will probably fall under that same bucket, but I'm not taking him off the field for a healthy Jalen Waddle. I'm not. I think you right. absolutely need to get Waddle involved. You need to get him, you know, touches any ways you can. And I think they're slowly getting there. Um, one, one last thing, cause we, we do probably want to talk a little bit about the Patriots game, but one last thing about the Eagles game. Um, do you think it was schematic or execution issues, uh, for the dolphins against that Eagles defense? Because I think to his longest completion was 29 yards. If they're living in that world, it's going to be hard for them to score points. Yeah, no, I, I, it felt like execution. Cause it felt like, um, the pressure was getting to him a lot quicker. Um, and then you had, you know, I mean, it's only one example. I didn't go back and watch all 22, but the, the interception with, with the route combo, someone ran the wrong route there or something went wrong, but you shouldn't have those two receivers there. So it, it feels like more execution than, than anything, um, which doesn't make me necessarily concerned that moving forward about the offense beyond just being able to protect up front and open up holes, you know, fix the O-line. I don't really have other new concerns after this game about the offense. Yeah, my guess is, and this is just a guess, certainly I, I think Tua made a lot of big league throws. The rating service, that which cannot be named at Pro Football Network, uh, made him, I believe, either their highest or second highest rated player of the week in the 80s for them on a scale of 100. Um, that's really, really good. And it's you know it shows that his numbers weren't reflective of how his performance was. But I also think the, the Eels... I mean, they didn't do anything totally novel. Um, they did, a, my guess is a lot of things that the Patriots did and just did it better, right? They were able to get after the, the quarterback more with the front four. Um, I don't remember a ton of exotic blitzes, do you? No, 
No. Yes. They just bullied. It felt like they got bullied. That's yeah. what it felt like. Um, and that was always the concern because that's kind of what the Dolphins don't do well with, right? Is these physical teams that just want to bully you. Uh, and the Bills are an example of that as well. Yeah, I mean, again, Lester Cotton and Liam Eikenberg holding the middle of your your, your offensive line afloat is less than not ideal. A world, not a world you want to live in, certainly. Um, but what what the Dolphins were able to do against the Patriots, the Patriots played a lot of that soft shell um, to, to keep everything in front of them, is they didn't have the dumb, dumb mistakes, right? You yep. don't have dumb mistakes. You're able to run the ball very well in that game. I think Mostert, that was the Mostert game. Um, yep. You're, you're you're able to run the ball, get completions, keep the chains moving, and they still only only scored 24 points. Um, but I, I I think that was the difference. One last thing, I, I promise it's gonna be the last thing, but I want to ask you one more because I want to hear your rant, your thoughts on the officiating of that game. You don't lose because of the officials. Um, Ooh, I, I, saw- I, I I disagree. I don't know if they no. lost that game because of the officials, but you can absolutely lose because of the officials. Okay, okay, y- you can. I think yeah, the, the, there were missed calls. The face mask pass interference thing, I think, is one that you need to just kind of get over because they scored on that pick six, you know, on like the next play, and. Some people are saying, oh, well, they could have scored a touchdown. You know, they, they could have got there, scored a touchdown, and still had to pick six. But circumstances, the same play call might not have happened from the Eagles and, and things of that nature where I don't think they have the opportunity to do that. Let's say that the flag is thrown or Tyreek drop, doesn't drop the touchdown before that, right? And they get their seven that way. Who's to say that the same exact play call is going to happen and the Dolphins are going to call the same play call on defense and that same turn of, you know, that series of events is going to unfold. So I don't think you'd be like, oh, well, there are seven points they missed out on. I think that evened out. Um, yeah, there were some missed ones. People were complaining about the hold um, on Tua's touchdown pass that I called back, but he, that was absolutely a hold, and he had to because Tua was going to get killed. So it's a good thing he did. Um, he might have gotten the ball off, but he was going to get absolutely you know, splattered there. So I, I don't think it, that's why they lost. Yeah, certainly, I mean, the Eagles having no penalties, and we all saw there was a kajillion of them posted on social media that got missed. It's certainly a concern for just the legitimacy of the league. And if I was a, a, a better on this game, I would have been unhappy. Um, I, I did not have any money on it. But the NFL, we saw all this weekend, the NFL has got to get the officiating fixed because there's too much money riding on these games and too many missed calls that, that this has to be improved. But I yeah, don't think uh, it's an excuse for the Dolphins. So please, the Dolphin fans, just stop with that. Uh, That's what I, I, I don't think it's an excuse. I think it's a reason. And I think that there were a number, it, it wasn't just bad calls. Every game has bad calls, right? It was bad calls at the worst possible time and what it led to. Uh, the the phantom roughing the passer, passer on Christian Wilkins, uh, that was, it was going to be third and long there. Uh, and the Eagles were going to have to convert that to even get a field goal attempt, right? Yep. Instead, they got first and 10. I think they were at the 30 yard line or whatever after that. Um, and they go and go and score a touchdown. To, to me, that was that was at least a four, maybe a seven point play. That was a significant play. In the can't push and, the quarterback though. He could have held up. He just wanted to push him. You, you, you can't do that. That wasn't like he was coming so fast and couldn't stop. To his credit, he didn't you know follow through in a shove. So you, you can see why maybe it shouldn't have been called. But I get why it was. You, you but can't it was do like that. a it was like a half step though, Matt. If it was reversed, someone did it to Tua. What would Dolphin fans be saying? 
I think the, I, I think Dolphins fans would have been bitter, and I think everybody else would have been like, "Nah, it's not pass interference." Uh, you know, I, I I think a neutral observer looks at that and says that is not in the spirit of pass interference. It's not at all, uh, and and these penalties are so so penal. Um, I kind of disagree with you on the uh, face mask uh, Cedric Wilson situation. Uh, I, I you know you certainly you can't guarantee a pick six, but I, I do think that there's something to be said about punching that in on offense, getting that consistency, getting that confidence, getting that rhythm. Certainly, to his numbers look a lot different there. You know, if they, he throws a touchdown in that situation and all that, um, but I think they would have had it, it would have had a different feel because uh, defense after they're, they're you know. Jerome Baker running, you know, a pick six back and full maximum effort. Boom, they're right back on the field again. I think the Eagles went the length of the field and scored a touchdown there. Maybe the tenor of the game is different. Still, the points might be the same, but just how the game unfolds. And I think that's yeah, the that's point. That's, that, point. That, that's how the um, a lot of these penalties were. Um, do I think that Raheem Mostert got interfered with on that interception? yeah but also he was he had two dudes in front of him for the interception right it's not like you know one-on-one coverage and he got mugged and it was a pick because of that yeah. no it was a badly underthrown ball right yeah that's so, a 50 50 call i think yeah. sometimes you might see that called you might not and I, I get why it wasn't obviously mike mcdaniel thought it, it should have been based on his subtle uh, message yesterday during the press conference but yeah, it's different if the person committing the penalty is also the one that intercepts it. Right. Um, and if it wasn't underthrown. Because if it's right. not underthrown, then, you know, it comes back to the whole, you know, do they have a right to go for the ball and and all of that. Um, I, I, think, I was torn on it, but I, I get why it wasn't. That one wasn't called. But I think you would see 50% of the time it, it get called. Yeah, I, I think David Long getting headlocked. You know, That's a bad one. Yeah, a, a, a missed hold that had it was an impactful play and an impactful part of the game. Um, so yeah, ten to nothing. You can certainly you, the Dolphins did not play infinitely worse of a game when it comes to to, to penalties than than the Eagles. That the Eagles got very very lucky. They didn't have at least five or six penalties called against them. But the point I was going to make is sometimes you get unlucky at really bad times. And I think that I don't think there's some grand conspiracy, you know, Dolphins fans going through the CSI of the official and saying that he got suspended 19 years ago, whatever it was. Okay. From the greater Philadelphia area. If the NFL really thought the guy was on the take, we would hear about it by now. Okay. It's sometimes just bad belief happens at really unfortunate times. Um, but it's not like, like the Dolphins haven't been a very, very penalized team throughout the course of the last two years anyway. Um, and even even if three or four of them were bogus, you still have more penalties than you should. And first play of the game, get the snap off on time, for God's sake. Yeah, I mean, I think I tend to believe in the long run, a lot of these things even out. Not so much from the fact that, you know, the Dolphins are a heavily penalized team, but just from calls that are missed, you know, I don't go back and pay attention to ones that may have been missed that benefited the Dolphins as well in other games. So I tend to think of the long run, it will even out. It's more of a systemic issue as well. Like you said, it's not a conspiracy. It's just officiating is bad in the NFL. It has been for years now, and, and they need to find a way to improve that. 
uh, for the integrity of the game and for all the people that have money on it. And, and there's a lot riding on it beyond just the people on the field nowadays. So the NFL needs to do something about that and keep that in mind. Could you could you have ever imagined a time that we'd go 40 minutes into a podcast, Patriots Week, and not bring up the New England Patriots? Hey, you know, that's right. Bill Belichick never beaten a Tua Tungavailoa-led team. So, I mean, <laughs> the, the, the Patriots are, are – it's funny. It's a weird world um, that they are now, you know, the afterthought of the AFC East. And it's even with the Zach Wilson Jets, right? Even with them, you're still more concerned about them than than the Patriots right now. I will say this, and we're going to wrap this in a sec, but I will say this. They better not lose on Sunday. Like, if they lose on Sunday, they're going to lose the Chiefs. If they lose on Sunday, it's going to be five and four going to the bye. And all that good work is like, here we go all over again. We win five straight, we lose five straight. This is this team is slumping. They got to go and take care of business. If they go and take care of business against, even with, that was a, a great game they played, although Bill Belichick owns the Bills. Let's not kid ourselves. I mean, that's, you know, it's like the Bills own the Dolphins. Bill Belichick yeah. owns the Bills. Uh, playing at home, best game of Mac Jones's career. A lot of those things that we saw aren't sustainable, and I think that's why Vegas has Dolphins as a 10-point, last time I checked, favorite. Yeah. Um, but they better not lose, man, because if they lose all of that hard work, they're, if they lose, they're going to be in a dogfight certainly to win division. And I think even also uh, to make the playoffs. Yeah, no, certainly. Um, the AFC has, has some teams that I didn't think would be in contention that are sitting there with only two losses that the wild card battle in the AFC is going to be brutal. And you don't want to fall into that mix when really there's no need for them to, like we just talked about, they beat the teams they are supposed to. So they need to go and do it again. It's at home. Uh, even with Tom Brady, you know, the Patriots always, um, you know, I had some fits in Miami, but that's just a thing. Um, and there's no reason it should uh, it should be any different this week. And like you said, if it is, though, if the wheels come off, it's – yeah. And then all of a sudden, the the the, the uh, Hard Knock show becomes oh. – <laughs> It takes a different uh, kind of, you know, um, spin if they lose these next two games. Yeah. Uh, for Pro Football Network's sake – Let's hope they're relevant throughout the entire course of the regular season because we see dramatic spikes in interest when the Dolphins are good. Uh, it would be good business for us. Certainly, it'd be good for Dolphins fans. It would be good uh, for the Miami Dolphins as a franchise to go and beat the pants off a team. And a coach, by the way, who's going to try to stick around as long as he can to break Don Shula's record. And every time the Dolphins beat them, it get, makes him one more game away from having to do so. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And, and um, you know, I think it was what right after the game, there was a uh, a quote from the locker room from an undisclosed Dolphins player that said the next team's going to feel it. Um, I, I th you know, it's good to see that they're mad about this loss. Um, I, I think I it, it would stun me if this game is even close to being with it. And I've been one to say, oh, you know, Dolphins by a touchdown, right? That's been my my popular pick for a lot of their games, you know, this year. I think this is a double digit win I, I, I would lay the points I, I think they're going to take this opportunity to kind of I wouldn't say get right because it's you know they, they had one game that was you know like we talked about they could have won so it's not necessarily a get right game kind of game but I think they're gonna take out some frustrations and I think the Dolphins are, are going to be a double digit win and head to Germany you know kind of feeling good about themselves 
I mean, certainly, I guess NFL Network, is that what that Dolphins-Chiefs game will appear on? It is. Yep. It's so hard to keep track because there's so No, this is an NFL Network one, not a ESPN Plus or an Amazon Prime or anything like that. This is right on NFL Network. Could be the, I mean, we certainly had Jaguars-Bills this year, but could be the best international game ever. If both those teams are at the top of their game, uh, get some health back, uh, certainly on the Dolphins side. Uh, get some mojo back on offense. Uh, it could be absolutely a criminally shame that it's not a primetime game that half the country is still going to be asleep when that, that game gets to halftime. Set your uh, alarms. You don't want to miss it. <laughs> Huge in Seattle, getting up bright and early to watch a game uh, played 7,000, 10,000 miles away. I bet you people in Hawaii are going to be up or maybe haven't yeah. gotten to bed. Who knows? Gonna... I've been to I've been to Hawaii twice and once was during the British Open. That was weird, man. Like literally, I'd be on the treadmill at seven thirty in the morning. It'd be getting dark on my yeah, television. That's... It's really really weird when there's you're in that part of the country and there's sporting events so far away. Uh, but that, friends, is your geography lesson of today. <laughs> Anything else, Matthew? You want to you, you wrap? No, you want to wrap. You know, I just want to point out, even after this bad offensive performance where they scored ten points, right on eight possessions, the offense. The Dolphins are still the only team averaging over three points per possession in the NFL right now. That number for a season has only been hit three times since 2000. The 2020 Packers, the 2018 Chiefs, and the 07 Patriots are the only teams ever to average over three points per possession for a season. So the Dolphins are still on pace for a historic offense, even with a um, disappointing game in Philadelphia. And another reason why I think they're going to, you know, explode, I, I think – if they don't get 30 against the Patriots and the Patriots defense is good, but I think they're getting 30 is, is kind of my bar here. I, I kind of a 30 to 17 kind of, kind of game here. And they'll be feeling good going to Germany. That's what I think. I have here. never seen this. No, chest pumping confidence out of Matthew Infante when it comes to the Miami Dolphins. I, I'm over here in a flop sweat thinking, Oh my God, the wheels might come off if they lose on Sunday. And you're like, Oh no, they're going to stomp these guys. No, no, they got this one. I, I'm not worried. Tune in early. The fireworks are going to start early, I hope. Um, and, and they're just going to go from there. That would be my hey, I'll be there. If we come back here next week and that didn't happen, um, one, I, I, I'll be angry. And, and Adam, you can certainly, uh, you know, come after me for that. <laughs> hey, look. I, I, I deserve it. I'm, I'm the one who's out there saying uh, you guys are idiots for calling them frauds. If they, if they fraud it up on Sunday, I'm going to have to eat an entire freaking cage of crow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, and Adam, I like to remind everyone, all of your work on the Dolphins is at com slash Miami hyphen Dolphins. Um, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, please do. Okay. Come on, please. Uh, and if you're watching on YouTube, you might as well subscribe there as well. Hit the like button. That helps. And uh, we will see you back here next week on the Pro Football Network Miami Dolphins podcast. Mm-hmm.